Welcome to the Kidney Trail Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Reed, and I am grateful and thankful once again for the opportunity that you and each one of you have given us to be here for us to be here with you. We're really excited. It's the start of a new year, and with the new year, there are many new things ahead for us. I can tell you one of the things we are excited for is the Kidney Trail Summit that's coming up in April. We will go into more detail about that later on. We're really excited about that, and just a lot of new things, and uh, even some new guests, interesting guests, guests that some people may may wonder why in the world are you having having certain people on here? I mean, what does it have to do with kidney disease? What does it have to do with dialysis and transplant? Well, if you'll bear with us this next year, it's going to be an exciting ride and we will get to those exciting guests and to get to know their backstories. So today, before we get started, let's hear a word from our sponsor. This show has been sponsored by the Kidney Trail Press. Welcome back, and it's good to be back here. And today we are, I'm really excited. Uh, one of the reasons is uh, I met this guest, I met this individual um, actually through LinkedIn. Uh, we met through LinkedIn. It was very unique. Uh, one thing is that LinkedIn is a platform of all, all many different things, and you can meet many different people. And the one thing about him is that we found out him and I both have something very special in common. And with that being said, we'll wait till he gets to the story, but we would like to welcome Ben Fawson from Adopted with Guatemala Roots. Welcome, Ben. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thanks, Anthony, for having me on the Kidney Trails podcast. I'm really uh, excited to be here and kind of share about our organization and be a part of this. Well, I am grateful and honored that you took time out of your day to um to be here. And I knew it took a little bit. We had to reschedule this recording, just some different things were going on. And I, I'm thankful you were able to make some more time and to your schedule uh, to be here today. So we're really thankful for that. So when we think of when you and I met, what you, I, I don't know, did you message me? I think you messaged me and invited me to connect. And then it kind of went from there. You explained uh, who you were, what, what you were about and the reason why you wanted to connect. Why don't you give our, our folks here that are listening, our audience here a little bit, uh, a little introduction about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. I, I reached out on LinkedIn. Uh, I saw a, a post that you had made about being adopted from Guatemala and it kind of just caught my eye. So yeah, I am adopted from Guatemala as well. I'm 31 years old. I was adopted when I was four months old to a family in Minnesota in the Minneapolis in the Twin Cities area, uh, so I grew up my most of my life there. And you know, I never really knew that there were other people adopted from Guatemala, or that you know this was a quite large. Uh, there's a quite large number of us. It's you know, around you know fifty thousand uh, estimated children were adopted from Guatemala, and it's a very unique kind of situation to be in or an experience to have in life. And about. Four years ago, I got connected with a couple other people who were adopted in the St. Louis area where I currently live now. You know, it just kind of, re we kind of realized that, you know, we're, we have this very unique experience and there's just a lot of questions we ask in life because of that. And um, so we started Adoptees with Guatemalan Roots about two and a half years ago. And kind of our goal is to help people adopted really find their identities and really answer some of those kind of basic questions of, you know, where, where I'm from, where do I fit into this world? Um, kind of where, what is kind of my role? And, 
especially because, you know, we, we look Guatemalan, but a lot of us, you know, don't know Spanish or don't know our culture. And we were raised in a, you know, not a, a Guatemalan household. So that just kind of brings a lot of unique circumstances uh, and experiences of not knowing our culture, but looking like we, we should speak Spanish or know, or know about Guatemala. So yeah, we put on a lot of events, both virtual and in-person, but that's really our focus uh, to help people find their identity. And then just to just kind of build community and uh, provide a space where people can make friends and uh, really just share and be able to talk about some of these things. Right, right. And that's great. And, and, and the one thing is, you said that, you know, we look like we should speak Spanish, but most of us more than likely don't. Or if we do, we we learned it in a classroom just like anybody else. I think what's interesting about that is when I go into a Mexican restaurant, <laughs> I might have to get somebody to interpret what they're asking me. <laughs> and it's it's nothing wrong with it. I think it's interesting. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that we, some of us may not be, may be trying to learn Spanish. I know me, I'm, I'm in the process of starting to learn it, uh, trying to take a few courses just to get, get a little bit of basics on it, but, uh, and, and I think that's a misconception a lot of people have of us, uh, of those that have been adopted from other countries and expect us to speak or those to speak their, their native, native tongue. You know, with that, I, I just think it's a very interesting, very interesting. And for me, very hilarious as well. <laughs> so when we're talking about uh, the organization, you talked about how it was started. So what else? You talk about some of the events. Tell us some of the events that y'all are, that y'all are involved in or that y'all are doing. Uh, I'm sure our audience would definitely be interested uh, to know exactly what type of events, how, how does this thing work? Yeah. Yeah. So we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We're registered in the state of Delaware. And yeah, that, that kind of that need to help people find their identity is really what got us going. Um, but we found really early on that finding your identity um, oftentimes comes through some sort of activity or some sort of passion. Um, and, you know, many people who are adopted are really interested in, you know, we're really interested in finding out about our culture, about our country. Uh, so we found that, you know, providing an opportunity where we can learn about, you know, Guatemalan cuisine, about, you know, Guatemalan sports, um, you know, the, the culture, the the fabric, the the Maya traditions, and kind of um, the Maya science and mathematics um, is really important in kind of helping people establish that identity. So we've had you know Guatemalan actors and uh, professional athletes speak to us kind of just about their experience of being Guatemalan. And one of the cool things is we've been able to do a lot of these speaking events in English. Um, so we, we've done quite a few of those. We've also had the International Mayan League speak on kind of some of the, you know, the traditional Mayan weavings and just some of our kind of history in, in Guatemala. Uh, and that, that's just been a really cool opportunity to learn about uh, Guatemala from some Guatemalan celebrities, but also just some experts uh, about Guatemalan culture. Uh, and then we also have a, a variety of in-person events as well. You know, we've been doing an annual meetup or conference every year in Washington, D.C. We actually have that coming up in March in a few months. And 
the kind of the point of that is, you know, we just want to, it's a couple of things, you know, we provide an opportunity for people to just get to know other people who are adopted, you know, it's a networking experience, uh, but it's also an opportunity to kind of just share your story, um, kind of share how, where you are on your journey with understanding your adoption. And, uh, you know, just if you have any questions, it's a really great place for like-minded or like people with the same experience to, to talk and share that. Uh, and then we also have, you know, we've, um, we've had many outings at Guatemalan restaurants uh, to try Guatemalan food together. Uh, we've also had some Guatemalan chefs do cooking demonstrations. Um, and yeah, we're, we're really excited for our upcoming conference. And uh, we do a variety of, uh, this past year in 2021, we did four different kind of meet, weekend long meetups uh, where they're kind of on a smaller scale around the country to kind of facilitate that same type of uh, community building, but also to learn about our, our country of origin. That is fascinating, especially about the food part. Now we're going back to food. What is it about food? <laughs> um, that's always intrigued me too, as far as Guatemalan cuisine or food, uh, what what the difference is. Um, I, I personally myself haven't really tasted any of that. And that's something that I am definitely looking forward to indulging in, uh, hopefully in the near future. But um, one of the things in what really caught me and, and, and to our audience, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes down to um, adoption, my story starts back in 1990, December. And the reason I say that is that's when I was adopted from Guatemala by two wonderful parents brought over here to the States. Absolutely phenomenal. Can't thank them enough. Can't express my feelings enough for what they did. But it, for me, I wouldn't know until I was age 20, 22 or age 18, whichever age 18 would take first is when I had the stroke. And then age 22 was when I was diagnosed with kidney disease. Now here's a fascinating, fast, something fascinating been about Guatemala. So there's this thing down in Central America called Mesoamerican uh, kidney disease. And basically what it is, is that um, in El Salvador, Guatemala, and I think it's a little tip of Mexico, there is hot spots for kidney disease. And what, what they found out, they, they don't know, it's, it's these young people from 18 to 30, I think it's 31, 32, uh, that all of a sudden they're healthy, they're doing well, things are going great. Next thing you know, they're very sick and they have kidney disease and most of them need dialysis or a lot of them need dialysis quite quickly. And that's what I, what I end up having to do, dialysis. I actually heard this at a conference that I went to, uh, Dr. Uh, Raymond Trebino from uh, El Salvador talked to it. I'm, I'm sitting there just just floored because I, I saw my, my home country on his slideshow and it's got the hot spot there of where kidney disease is at. And I'm thinking, where in the world would I be? And, and this can be said for any of us as far as where would we be had we not been adopted? For me, it's where would I, more than likely right now, ladies and gentlemen, I would not be here. I would be dead because I, I don't think the, the, down there the care would be in as well. Who knows where I'd be in, in all reality? So I, I thought that was very fascinating. And then, you know, later on down the road here, you and I meet Ben and another, another individual that's been adopted. When it comes to you know, with Guatemala, do you know around how many people were adopted from Guatemala? Yeah, so 
it's a little complicated in trying to find an exact figure. Um, we for sure know that this, so the US State Department has really good numbers on about 30,000 children that were adopted. However, they're, they don't, uh, that doesn't, that figure doesn't include people who were adopted to Europe. We know children were adopted to Europe as well as New Zealand and Australia. And then kind of between the 1960s and 1990, there's not great records there as well. So it, it's probably a significantly higher than 30,000. You know, I've seen estimates in the 40,000s and as high as 50,000. My guess is it's probably somewhere around 50,000 children. Um, and, you know, we may never know the exact figure. Right, right. And that, you know, when you think of that, out of that many, we were, we were some of the select few that had that opportunity uh, to go to a, a better life in our reality. Um, you know, with, with what little I know about my situation, about my family down there, it would not have been a very good life for me. Um, uh, I would definitely be in a place, like I said, I wouldn't more than likely wouldn't be here, but I've been in a place that wouldn't have been where I'm at today. And uh, like I said, I am ever grateful for that opportunity. How do you feel about adoption now? How do you feel about being adopted? Because I know some people out there, they're like, we're really grateful. Some people are like, wish it would never happen. It, it all depends on the scenario. And I understand it all depends on the family and the scenario. But personally, from your experience, how do you feel about adoption? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. It's a loaded question. Um, yeah, and I think my answer would be, uh, it, it's kind of a mixed reaction or answer. You know, I have wonderful parents. I had a really wonderful home growing up. That's, you know, can't say enough good things about my parents. Um, and yeah, I mean, I have had, I grew up, you know, with a lot of opportunities, you know, being able to go to college in the United States. And, you know, a lot of the things I'm doing now wouldn't be possible had I not been adopted. Um, I've reconnected with my birth family and, you know, I've gotten to know them over the past seven years. So I've kind of gotten a glimpse into be into what my life might've been like. And um, yeah, I, I think I'm at a, a good spot with my adoption, but I think there's sometimes those questions of, you know, what, what, what life could have been um, are sometimes, I wouldn't say like weigh you down, but they do kind of um, question, um, that's the right way to say this. I'd say it makes you curious sometimes. Yeah, kind of curious, like what what the what your life could have been like, or what uh, these topics of what does family, uh, what is family like. Um, I think, yeah, I I think it's been a a, a great experience, um, but that doesn't mean it hasn't been without its uh, difficulties. And um, I think, at least for me, one of the the areas where I've kind of struggled with adoption a bit is, you know, where do I fit in or kind of where do I belong? Um, I think, and not everyone who's adopted experiences this, but I think, you know, you know, we, in a way we don't have that normal experience with family. Uh, when I say normal, kind of what's normal to, you know, a large part of the population. Adoption is definitely a unique experience. Um, so sometimes that can be a, a bit of a struggle to deal with and kind of wrap my head around. But um, in a way, now I have two really great, loving families. And uh, 
yeah, I couldn't really ask for anything more. Right. And I'd have to agree with that. Sometimes there is questions that weigh on our minds. Um, eventually I know mine will be answered, but <laughs> until then, uh, you know, they'll be back there in the back of my mind and that's nothing wrong with, and, and anybody that's been adopted, I'm sure there's different thoughts that come by, you know, what could, like we've said, what could life have been? Um, what is our family like? You know, and I know with me, uh, from what, what little I do know, I do have a sister somewhere, not sure where, but, uh, another sister somewhere. So, you know, that'd be great to find out. But also, what? who else is out there? What else is part of the family? And that's just, I, I guess I'm intrigued by that, fascinated by that, uh, fascinated by the culture down there, fascinated by the uh, the way of living, all those different things that, you know, because we're here in the States, we've been brought up with great families, given great opportunities, and I would not take that back or change it for the world at all. <clears throat> But it doesn't mean that we're not curious a little bit every now and then and say, hey, you know, what was like? I, I can tell you, I, I go try to find as much as I can online about Guatemala, any videos, any type of pictures to try to at least see what it's like. You know, and I'm sure it's definitely not like the real experience. I have not been back. That is on one of my goals to do is to go down there. But at this time, I have not. But I think it's uh, I think it's definitely a good thing, though. So one of the other things. Um, that I think about in adoption is, and I know with me, sometimes I feel like I need to give back. Is that the way that you feel sometimes? Yeah. Um, yes, I, I definitely, it's kind of a strange feeling in a way. I definitely have a desire to give back and to know about Guatemala, um, even though I didn't grow up there. And, you know, the first time I went back there, I was 17. and it, it's almost strange to want to give back to know about some, uh, to give back to a place that you've never been or you don't even know. Uh, but the more and more I've gotten to know the, the country, the land, the people there, you know, I really do want to to give back and be connected that way. I, I think, you know, we were given really great opportunities uh, here and, you know, I, I definitely want to give that back. I think, well, at least on my end, I do um, every now and again. And that's part of the reason why um, kidney trails, even though I don't know much Spanish, that's one of the reasons we actually started releasing part of our blogs into the Spanish language. Now, I know there's different dialects in different places, but hopefully, you know, if, if that opportunity ever comes, somebody will see it and it'll help. Uh, I'm even trying to learn Spanish to be able to communicate uh, with our people down there to see, at least try to, I mean, right now I, I could get to maybe one place <laughs> other than that. I couldn't get anywhere else. So, I mean, you know, we, 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 we could try. I'm not sure what I'd end up. <laughs> That'd be an adventure, I think. <laughs> so you've been down to Guatemala. It sounds like several times. What is one of your favorite places down there? That's a that's a tough question. So I've been to Guatemala probably about thirty times, and I mean it's it's a beautiful country. I really hope you get an opportunity to go sometime soon. Panajal or Lake Atitlan is probably one of my favorite places. Uh, that the the lake is just beautiful. Uh, being able to take the boat across and seeing all the the little cities that are around the the lake. It's it's just a beautiful area. Um, I also, yeah, I would say that. Otherwise, uh, it's, it's hard to choose. So I'll, I'll choose three. Uh, Tikal is another favorite. Seeing the the Maya ruins there, 
was just incredible. Um, they kind of just blew my mind. I mean, these are very just beautiful, impressive uh, structures that were built by you know the the Maya indigenous Guatemalans. Um, and then probably Antigua, Guatemala, just seeing the the history. It's just a very beautiful way that they've kind of preserved the traditions and history there. Right. Excellent. I'll have to put those on my list. <laughs> Let's go back to adoptive with Guatemala roots for just 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 a just a brief second, maybe a few minutes. Um, how much impact do you feel that has had on other adoptees or other people that have been adopted? And what kind of impact? Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so some of the kind of feedback we've gotten, and we really kind of want to be an organization that serves kind of our community. It's really kind of the way we view our roles. You know, I'm on the board of directors and you know, the other people who have helped found our organization, we're really there to kind of serve the community that we're working in. Um, but yeah, we've gotten some really good feedback just kind of, you know, we, you know, from people who are adopted. It's just kind of like, you know, I found my community, I found my group. I found the, the people who kind of really get my experience in life. So when we hear, you know, feedback and kind of testimonials like that, that's really just awesome. It's really what we're trying to, to accomplish. Um, and, you know, some of the work we've done in Guatemala, you know, we did some lobbying work to get some services provided from the Guatemalan government for people adopted. Uh, we asked for uh, option for a free birth family search through the government, as well as you know if an easier access to our documents online. And then if people, so we are dual citizens. If we want to get a Guatemalan passport or ID card to make that process more easily accessible, so I think that has been quite impactful. One of the really cool things with that is that. You know, anyone who's adopted from Guatemala now can walk into any Guatemalan consulate or embassy around the world and, you know, get, you know, tell them, you know, hey, I'm adopted and I would like to get online access to my birth certificate, my digital records, and I would like to get a passport or an ID card. And the Guatemalan Ministry of Foreign Affairs has done a really good job at making that um, that process much more accessible. But training their staff so they actually know that we exist and um, are able to help us when we have those questions. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's probably one of, been one of the more kind of global impacts that we've had. Um, and yeah, we, we're really excited to, to you know, connect with uh, organizations like Kidney Trails to really kind of just be either connecting organizations that uh, want to help each other or, so yeah, we're really excited to, with what the future will have in store for our organization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, I love um, about the, the opportunity to actually go into, as you said, the con consulate or the, I guess, embassy, however you would word it to be able to have that opportunity. I think that's uh, interesting um, to be able to get that paperwork. Cause that, that mean, that means something. A lot of that stuff, if you can get that paperwork, it shows your history too, in some regards as well. So being that uh, that and your organization has been able to do that, kudos to y'all. I'm sure that took a ton of work to get done, but like I said, my hat's off to you. So we appreciate that. Um, when it comes to that, how else is your organization growing? Is there anything in particular that y'all have 
coming up soon that you would like to let our audience know or something that y'all are um, working on? Yeah. So as I mentioned, we we have our kind of annual conference or meet weekend long meetup that's coming in March. So we've been putting a lot of work into that. So this is our third one. Uh, we had to cancel one of ours due to COVID shutdowns in 2020, but we're excited to be back. And we're really trying to build that out with not just an opportunity to get together, but really to have you know speakers who can teach us about Guatemala um, and you know to be able to learn about our origins. Uh, so that, that, that's a big thing we've been working on. Uh, we recently became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so we're really trying to figure out ways that we can you know build that out. Um, you know, we've started things like a book club more recently. And yeah, we're really kind of just in the planning stages. I really do feel like, you know, we're not an older organization. We're only about two and a half years old. We're really trying to uh, to get going. And I think, you know, we've got some good momentum so far. And uh, we really do hope we can build on the services with the Guatemalan government that we've started. Um, and yeah, we, I think, you know, forming partnerships and, you know, reaching out with organizations like Kidney Trails will be, you know, something we really want to do more of in the future. Uh, and I think one thing, and I'm interested kind of what your thoughts are on this topic is, you know, this issue of, um, you know, health records or kind of knowing your health history is, or what kind of what diseases or things that you might be susceptible to is I think it's a topic that comes up quite a bit as adoptees is because, you know, a lot of us don't have that family medical history where, you know, I can't, I mean, I can now, but, you know, before I met my birth family, you know, I had no idea what, uh, what kind of my health history. And, you know, when you go to the doctor and you, they ask you to fill out that form, it can kind of be a bit in, intimidating or just kind of a reminder of, you know, I don't, there's a lot of questions I don't know. And, I, you know, we've partnered with a DNA company and, you know, a lot of people have done 23andMe and Ancestry. But yeah, I'm interested kind of to what your thoughts are and just kind of with your experience with kidney disease, kind of how that's impacted you a bit. Well, I can tell you <laughs> that when the doctor looks at you and says, well, what's your family record say? Well, I don't know. Um, and if I had them, I probably couldn't read them to you. <laughs> we have to use Google Translate. <laughs> kind of puts you in an awkward situation. Um, in, in my scenario, in my case, actually, I have a hereditary kidney disease. So my kidney disease can actually be passed down from generation to generation. It's called a horseshoe kidney. Basically, one, it's instead of in um, it, during the pregnancy, when the organs start forming, the two kidneys, they don't separate. They're just one big kidney and that's all that's taken care of. So that can cause a lot of uh, medical issues down the road and eventually to the place that I was at had, but though I had it taken care of some things beforehand, I probably wouldn't be in a place, but that's another subject for another time. I think that would be fabulous. And there's, there, there, I'll put it this way. There's not a lot of things known about horseshoe kidneys, why it happens. Okay. Now there is known of, if you have, it's generally hereditary. Uh, we do know that um, more chances or not that the males will get it versus the females. It's just the percentages are higher in males than it is in the females. So I do know that um, we know when it happens and that's during the pregnancy. But other than that, there's not a, there's some research, not a lot. 
So I think having as those of us in adopted that don't have that access to say, oh, yeah, my 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 father or my grandfather had heart issues or something like that. I think that would that would change a lot of things and maybe in how people would actually, you know, eating better, maybe exercising more, maybe getting more involved, learning more about, well, let's put it this way, learn more about kidney disease before they actually have to do it. And if they learn enough about it, maybe they don't even have to face the same scenario. I would rather somebody know what's going to happen, what, not what's going to happen. Let me reword that because that doesn't sound right. But what the possibilities are and be able to find out information about that. And then instead of it being a possibility, they're going another route to make themselves healthier and better. I mean, you think about that, you know, being on dialysis, life kind of just stops for a lot of people. Like I kept going, I got married on dialysis. Um, my son was born uh, two weeks after transplant. I think it was a busy time, craziness during that time. I just, it's all crazy, but it would be very interesting to see, what our medical records were, at least for me, it would be, I'd be very interested to see um, what happens and we could even go. <laughs> and, and there's even things back in, back in the, when you're talking about the Mayans, there, there's even some issues back there, even with their diet and their health. And I don't want to get into that. That's a whole nother subject for a whole nother time, probably a different podcast than this one. <laughs> maybe, maybe not, but I think that would be ph phenomenal, fabulous. And I can tell you, we would support that. Now, one thing is, I do want to go back real quick. Um, you said something about a book club. Now, Kenny Trails, uh, we have the Kenny Trails. We have a couple of different avenues of what we're doing. We also have Kenny Trail Press. And as a publisher, I'm always interested in books. I love to read. So what type of books do does this book club um, read together? Yeah, so we... The book club just launched in January, or we started, I think, in December. We haven't even had our first meeting yet, so we're actually doing that this coming Saturday. Um, and we're reading a book called Don't Ask Me Where I'm From. And that book in particular, I, so I just finished it a couple of days ago. Uh, it kind of just talks about uh, kind of issues of identity and, you know, the main character is from, from Guatemala and is growing up in Massachusetts. Uh, so, I mean, it's a really very interesting look on kind of uh, what it means to be Guatemalan and uh, kind of what it means to where to where you fit in and kind of how that what that means. Uh, so that's the first book we've read. Um, we haven't quite decided on the rest of the books, but one I think one of the hopes is that we read a lot of books about Guatemalan adoption. And I was quite surprised to find that there's about 20, I think, my number's probably not exactly right, but I think it's about 26 books that have been written on this topic. So I think we're gonna probably go through quite a few of those as well. Uh, and there'll probably be other books uh, that aren't specifically about uh, adoption, but are about Guatemala. Uh, but kind of the point of the, the book club is to learn more about Guatemala and then just kind of talk about adoption topics. Uh, and the books that have been written about Guatemalan adoption, some of them are memoirs from adoptees who have written about their experience. Um, and then some of them are from the viewpoint of an adoptive parent and kind of what the adoption process looked like through their eyes. Uh, and then there's just some that are just kind of histories or um, uh, about adoption and about kind of what the country was going through through the Guatemalan Civil War. Uh, so yeah, we're really excited to to read uh, this large list of books on the topic, 
And I, I think it'll be a really fun learning experience for all of us. Uh, I'm sure it will. <clears throat> and uh, um, I'll definitely be looking at getting that book very, very soon. <laughs> so I can read it. I didn't realize that there were so many books from adoptees out there. So that's definitely something I'll have to check into. Um, I haven't written a book. I've written a blog uh, about my journey with kidney disease. And that's about as close as I've gotten thus far. But a book is coming. I will say that a book is coming in the very near future. Um, so one of the things, Ben, that we like to um, ask all of our guests is what type of book? What is maybe a book that has been meaningful for you, meaningful for you or some book that has impacted your life? Yeah, I read quite a few books. So I think I'll tell you about one that I read recently that's been that was really impactful and that I thought was just really well done. Uh, it's called a, it's a book called Mother Mother and it's by a, an adoptive parent from San Francisco named Jessica O'Dwyer. And it, um, I think it's just very well written. It gives a really good back history of kind of what was going on in Guatemala at the time. Uh, it's through the eyes of an adoptive parent. Uh, it's just a very beautiful story. But what I like about it is uh, it's very real. It, it's, uh, it's not afraid to kind of talk about some of the more complicated or even uh, kind of darker side of things that happen in Guatemala. Um, and I think that's, you know, what makes it so real, uh, but also tells a really good story. Excellent. Excellent. And now as we go to wrap up today's show, um, how can we find more about uh, adoptees with Guatemalan roots, correct? I, 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 if I'm not mistaken, I think I've called it adopted from Guatemala roots or something, but ladies and gentlemen, I could, your host kind of messed up on that one, but I believe it's adoptees with Guatemalan roots. How can we find more about that? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it is adoptees with Guatemalan roots. Yeah, so we're online at guateroots.org. Uh, and, you know, we have a, our links to our social media. We also have a blog that we write as well. Uh, so, yeah, we have more information there. Uh, so that'd probably be the best way to connect with us and learn more about what we're doing. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this has been really wonderful. And thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Not a problem. We appreciate it. Is there any other words you'd like to leave with our guest? Is there any other words you would like to leave with our audience? Yeah. Um, again, yeah, thanks for having us on. And, you know, it's been really great to connect with you, Anthony. Uh, and I just love what you're doing with kidney disease and really kind of addressing that and kind of how, you know, that came from or how it's kind of you've connected it with your adoption. Um, I think it'd be, I would venture to guess that there's probably other people who have been adopted from Guatemala who had kidney disease and would really love to find out about kidney trails and kind of the resources you all have to offer. Um, and yeah, I think it's just a really cool way to connect back to your, to our country and to give back. I, I think it's really cool what you're doing. Uh, so that's awesome. Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to give the biggest loud of applause that you can give to Ben and thank him for coming. We appreciate it. Appreciate your time. And to all the audience, we appreciate y'all. We appreciate your time for listening. And as always, be encouraged for you are one step closer to the next peak. Thanks. Have a great day.